Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Tuesday. It's September 26, 2023. Great to be with you on this Feats of Saints, Cosmos, and Damien. Said to have been brothers and physicians and were martyred in the Diocletian persecutions of the late 3rd and early 4th centuries. Saints Cosmos and Damien, pray for us and all you holy men and women, pray for us indeed. Coming up on the program today, looking forward to our discussion with a first up after the news and the weather and all that good stuff, Josh Dart. He is lead consultant with the Evangelical Catholic. It is a movement that was mentioned in a recent National Catholic Register article regarding faith on campus, and they're very involved in helping Catholics at all levels approach the whole idea of evangelization a little bit differently, really more relational, one-on-one type of evangelization, kind of, you know, going back to what we saw in the early church, right, in the book of Acts. So Josh Dart is their lead consultant. He'll join us at 15 minutes past the hour. Then wrapping up with a fun story about pilgrimage stateside, Rebecca Simmons is going to be joining us, and she's the executive director of El Camino of the D. San Antonio Mission. So El Camino de San Antonio Missions in Texas, they've just partnered officially with El Camino de Santiago in Spain. And it really is a beautiful idea on a marriage, so to speak. Missionary fever is palpable along the historic El Camino de San Antonio Missions Trail in the Archdiocese of San Antonio, home to the oldest functioning cathedral in the U.S. and many original Spanish colonial missions dating all the way back to the 1700s. Its mission trail is the only place outside Europe where one can officially begin walking the El Camino de Santiago. So I love to talk about pilgrimage, and this is a beautiful stateside pilgrimage, so we'll learn all about it and this new connection with the folks in Spain through Rebecca Simmons, and that's coming up as we wrap up a Tuesday morning edition of Catholic Connection. So what are we doing weather-wise? Well, interestingly enough, we have a situation with Ophelia, that tropical storm that is still hanging around. It's still causing all kinds of weird situations weather-wise. So let's take a look, especially in terms of like extreme parts of the country, the west, northwest, especially, and the east. So we've got some activity that just is hanging around and just doesn't want to leave. So rain will gradually diminish across the mid-Atlantic and New England as Ophelia remnants slowly move offshore. There's a powerful system that's bringing heavy rain, a wintry mix at higher elevations, and gusty winds to the northwest as well. A lingering front in the south and an upper-level system in the upper Midwest may produce strong thunderstorms with locally heavy rain. So again, these uh, remnants of Ophelia still affecting parts of the country. That is the weather, and that is our rundown today on a Tuesday morning. It is September 26, 2023, and can you believe we're in fall already? Officially fall over the weekend, and here we are, another season. So, and of course, we've got a lot going on, and stay tuned to EW10 for all the coverage in the coming days and weeks of the Synod, which begins in just actually about a week or so. Right now, it is four minutes past the hour. Speaking of the Synod and prayers for that event, let's get started with the news. And you are listening once again to EWTN on a Tuesday. 
The Diocese of Rome yesterday, as Catholic News Agency is reporting, saying that it's anticipating thousands of pilgrims in attendance at an ecumenical prayer vigil. This will take place at the Vatican later this week with the event set ahead of the start, as we mentioned, of the historic synod taking place in Rome next month. The Roman Vicariate saying in a press release, as Catholic News Agency explains, that approximately 3,000 people are expected to attend this event at the Vatican. It's entitled Together, Gathering of the People of God, and it's being hosted in the Eternal City this weekend, Friday and Saturday. The event is advertised on its website as an ecumenical prayer vigil, one that will take place in Rome in the presence of the Holy Father and representatives of different churches to unite us in prayer and silence in listening to the Word of God. The prayer service, by the way, is occurring just days before the launch of the 16th General Assembly Assembly of the Synod of Bishops, which will take place in Rome over the course of October. And the vigil, according to the Catholic News Agency in the Rome Diocese, will be an opportunity to entrust the work of the Synod to the Holy Spirit. In other news this morning, despite calls from fellow Democrats to step down, Senator Bob Menendez says he will stay in office and fight federal bribery charges he was hit with on Friday. Scott Pringle Menendez has already went through one lengthy trial on federal corruption charges that ended in a hung jury, but he says this will be his biggest fight yet. He expressed confidence he'll be exonerated and remain in office. To those who have rushed to judgment, you have done so based on a limited set of facts framed by the prosecution to be as salacious as possible. Remember, prosecutors get it wrong sometimes. As for the hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash the FBI found in the Democrats' home, Menendez says for years he's pulled out cash from his accounts for emergencies and because of the history of his family facing confiscation in Cuba. Even though they are not part of the United Auto Workers Union strike against the big three automakers, workers at General Motors' Toledo Propulsion System are being laid off. Up to 150 employees who work at that center are being laid off, and that will happen next week. Officials say it's because they supply transmissions to a plant in Missouri, a plant which is on strike. UAW Local 14 president says the workers will be eligible, though, for strike pay, even though they are not actually striking. GOP lawmakers spending time in Eagle Pass, Texas, to witness the epicenter of the immigration surge. New York Republican Congressman Brandon Williams saying New York City's sanctuary city designation is not working and actually making a bad problem even worse. This will turn every community where I live in central New York and across America into border cities, much like I've seen here in the last 24 hours. Williams adding schools in Eagle Pass are simply overwhelmed with migrants. City officials say they have their hands full with thousands of migrants who have crossed over the border from Mexico in the past several days. Meanwhile, Texas officials are announcing a new shelter to house migrants amid an ongoing surge at the border. During a weekend news conference, the mayor of El Paso said the city will be opening an additional shelter at the border that can hold roughly 400 people. He said El Paso only has so many resources and we have to come to a breaking point right now and we have to look at different resources. Lisa Taylor tells us the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, will be debating the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, and that will happen in November. Fox News host Sean Hannity will moderate the red state versus blue state debate on November 30th in Georgia. The two governors have publicly feuded and criticized each other's policies over the past few years. Hannity first raised the prospect of a debate during a sit-down interview with Newsom in June. The event will mark the first time the two governors will face off in a debate. Eight passengers are now recovering after they were hurt on a flight heading to southern Florida. JetBlue says 
Flight 1256 from Ecuador experienced sudden severe turbulence as it was approaching Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport Monday. Seven travelers and a crew member were then taken to the hospital. The plane connected to the incident will remain out of service while officials inspect it. Michael Kastner tells us America's credit rating, well, it could take a big hit if there is a government shutdown. Moody's Investors Service sounded the warning Monday as a federal government shutdown looms at the end of the month if Congress can't reach a spending deal. The service said that while debt service payments would still be made, a shutdown would underscore the weakness of the country's institutional and governance strength. The Republican-controlled House Judiciary Committee will be in Chicago, and that will happen today. They're going to be discussing the issue of violent crime in the Windy City. Illinois Congressman Danny Davis says the action by the GOP is mostly political. A public hearing, though, will be held at the Fraternal Order of Police Headquarters. House Judiciary Committee Chair Jim Jordan posting yesterday on Platform X, formerly known as Twitter, 30 shot, 3 killed, one weekend in a Democratic-run Chicago. And the British government has asked the military to be on standby this after more than 100 of London's armed police officers handed in their weapon permits. Stuart Smith tells us it's in response to a police officer being prosecuted for the murder, shooting an unarmed man. London's police service and the government's home office say armed officers are worried that even if they stick to their training and tactics, they could face years of legal proceedings. The Metropolitan Police Service has around 2,500 armed officers, and for now, the offer of military assistance has not needed to be accepted. The commissioner claims the current system undermines officers and wants them to have more legal protections. Critics say police who take the decision to shoot should expect to be held to account for their decisions. Stuart Smith, London. NASA hosting a teleconference today to talk about an upcoming solar eclipse. The annual annual lunar eclipse will be visible from Oregon to Texas on October 4th, with a partial eclipse visible through the lower 48 states. And such an eclipse is called a ring of fire eclipse because the moon is far enough away from the Earth that it doesn't cover the entire sun, such as in a total eclipse, leaving an outside solar ring very visible. Aaron Mial tells us that credit card companies are racking up, they say, losses at the fastest pace they've seen in almost 30 dec- or 30 years. Credit card losses have been rapidly rising since the first quarter of 2022, while bottoming in September 2021, likely a result of stimulus checks enabling people to pay down their debt. They've since rebounded. Today, the increasing rate of losses is comparable to that of the recession of 2008. Americans owe more than $1 trillion on credit cards, a record high, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Industry analysts believe delinquencies could continue through the middle of next year, peaking in late 2024, early 2025. The man charged in the crash that killed actor Treat Williams back in June is now pleading not guilty. Ryan Koss of Vermont entering that plea yesterday. The 35-year-old is charged with gross negligent operation resulting in death. Police say Koss was driving an SUV that turned into the path of a motorcycle driven by the 71-year-old actor. Williams was reportedly conscious at the crash, but then he later died at the hospital from severe trauma and blood loss. And vaping has never exactly been considered healthy or safe, but a new study shows it may be a lot more dangerous than we might think. Researchers at the Texas A&M School of Public Health say they have now found a link between e-cigarettes and asthma. We found vaping increases the risk of asthma by 32% in adolescents. 
That's Dr. Chayan Rowe, who says their study could have wide-ranging impact. Nearly two in three American teens admit to experimenting with vaping. Just like secondhand cigarette smoke, the experts say that causes health problems. And the same is true for e-cigarettes. Almost 13 minutes past the hour on a Tuesday morning. We're having a great Tuesday so far. It is a feast of Saints Cosmos and Damien. Always great to look up our saints and learn more about them, as we were discussing yesterday with Dr. Edward Shree in our interview on his beautiful program on prayer, where he talks a lot about the lives of the saints in that program, When We Pray, from Ascension Press. Coming up next, though, speaking of prayer and how to make a difference, we're going to be talking with the leader of a movement that is taking a different approach something that maybe Catholics might not be all that familiar with. Well, obviously the church exists to evangelize, but this particular style of evangelization is having a big impact. And this particular group was brought up in a recent National Catholic Register article, and we will discuss up next. And then we're also going to be taking a look at stateside pilgrimages, this one coming from beautiful San Antonio, Texas. All of that plus you on a Tuesday morning, September 26th. Quickly, the weather again, if you missed it. From the National Weather Service, Ophelia remnants are slow to exit. Rain gradually diminishing across the Mid-Atlantic and New England as Ophelia remnants slowly move offshore. A powerful system is bringing heavy rain and a wintry mix in higher elevations and gusty winds to the northwest. And the experts say we have lingering fronts in the south and an upper-level system in the upper Midwest that could still produce strong thunderstorms with locally heavy rain as well. So keep that in mind if you're in one of the affected areas. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Don't forget to check out all of our great resources, EWTN.com and this program, officially co-produced by EWTN and AveMariaRadio.net out of southeastern Michigan. That's again, EWTN.com and AveMariaRadio.net. Don't touch that dial as we say in Radioland. We'll be right back. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. I said to the churches one day, what do you think you're going to look like in heaven? Oh, some of them had absolutely magnificent ideas. I didn't think of one of them. So I got desperate because then my turn came. I didn't know what to say. And so in desperation, I said, what do you think I'll wear in heaven? And they all said with one voice, armor. (laughs) EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. This Ave Maria radio program is brought to you in part by Fathom Events. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, is in theaters for one night only, Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. 
This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. The Evangelical Catholic was mentioned in a beautiful article recently in the National Catholic Register on evangelization for colleges in terms of faith on campus, but they do so much more. And here to talk about that is Josh Dart. He's a lead consultant with the Evangelical Catholic. So Josh, let's start, you know, begin with the beginning. What is the Evangelical Catholic and how did this all get underway? Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Teresa. Yeah, the Evangelical Catholic's been around about 25 years ago, and the first thing I like to tell people is that we're 25 not years? I, I, not but really? Pope. We're not starting a new deal. We're kind of in George <laughs> Weigel's vein from that book a couple of years ago about Evangelical Catholicism. So we're mm-hmm. very orthodox. Just want to put that out there. We got started, as a lot of things got started, with a, a, a non-Catholic Christian who became a Catholic, was set on fire by the beauty of the Church, and his relationship with the Lord, and then wanted everyone to know about it. So our founder um, was in the Madison area of Wisconsin, uh, started doing ministry to college students, and one thing led to another, and 25 years later now we work with not just college campus ministries, but also with parishes, dioceses, and a couple of uh, other ministries as well. Well, so what did the founder see that was, uh, that was missing in the way, in terms of what he came in contact with, the way evangelization was being done in his part of the church? I think it was just a real practical understanding that the laity are called to live in the world and not be of the world, but like the world is our altar for holiness. And 99.9 something 6% of the church is laity. But a lot of our structures are often thinking about how the laity should interact with the parish and be part of parish life and be involved in a variety of ministries, when the reality is, as a, as a, as a young dad or as just a, a lay guy or gal, young or old, we spend most of our time in the world. So if we're not sanctifying the world and are equipped to properly evangelize the real people and the real stuff of our life, then we're missing out on an amazing opportunity to evangelize. And he wants, he, our, our founder dreamed of every layman and woman being an apostolically zealous evangelist right where they're at right in their sphere of influence so it's grown though over the years right because now you're working with pastors clergy dioceses individual parishes yeah we've grown quite a bit it was kind of funny about 10 years ago uh right about the time i was hired i was hired to work primarily with campus campus ministry campus ministries and then uh, parishes started saying, do the principles that you're using in campus ministry work? And, of course, any principle that's, you know, Catholic and founded by Jesus is going to work. Maybe a little bit of the practicals will change, but the principles remain the same. And so our parish side has boomed over the last couple of years. We work, I think we're working right now with about 150 ministries, and about 75% of them are parishes. So so what is it? I mean, if you could summarize it in a nutshell, is it this one-on-one type of evangelization? And this is kind of the impression I get when looking at your website. It's so much to me, which I think it should be, goes back to the early church in the book of Acts, that, that those groups, those relationships, building those relationships. Yep. I'd say our niche is that we can move pretty quick and work behind the scenes with a pastor and his staff 
to help him build and form or train and hire his staff so that they're doing the really hard but substantial and fruitful work of equipping the laity. It takes a lot of time. We kind of try to do what Jesus did. Jesus had a really big vision, right? He wanted to reconcile the whole world to the Father's heart. But in order to do that, he had to remember that he was going after one lost sheep at a time. And so to do that, he chose a few, think of the 12 apostles or the 72 disciples, and he invested in them very intentionally. He called them freely. He didn't twist their arm. He said, this is, this is a cross. Count the cost, right? And freely they came after him and said, yes, we'll follow you. And so he spent three years forming and training them. In, he, so he formed and trained a few to reach the many, all for the sake of the one. So it's a little bit of a paradigm shift for a parish to see the value of their staff beginning to invest one-on-one in small batches of, of um, laity who are eager and disposed to receive that formation. So can you and give then, us some, by the way, go ahead, go, oh, ahead, go ahead, finish. I was going to say, and then the other side of that is not trying to micromanage their apostolates. The Lord gives the laity tremendous, a tremendous freedom in our apostolate, and so we want, instead of the parish telling the laity, hey, you need to go run this, you need to go do this thing, but saying, let the Lord, ask the Lord, seek the Lord, what is he convicting you of? to see in your own life right now, in your sphere of influence, in your state of life, of how he wants you to be intentional in reaching the lost right around you. Kind of with your head on a swivel, but going back into the mission field of where you already are, but now equipped and listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd, and then supporting mm-hmm. them in that. We're talking with Josh Dart, the lead consultant for the Evangelical Catholic. Josh, what's the website if people want more information, first of all? Yeah, www.evangelicalcatholic.org, or you can find us on your app store. Just look for The Evangelical Catholic. And we have a podcast called The Reach More Podcast, and that's full every week of um, real-life stories of laity and their apostolate. So it's a little gritty. You know, it doesn't really fit any box. One guy's reaching out to other dads and other ladies, um, working in the NICU and ministering to her colleagues. Um, high schoolers are starting small groups in their high school, but it can also be other stuff. You can be intentional about starting a neighborhood cookout, but it's whatever the Lord is putting on your heart in prayer and then act, acting on that. And of course you need to, there's a lot to it, but you know, you get what I'm saying right there, right? Mm-hmm. No, but I'm kind of, kind of trying to help people like walk them into, okay, how does it, how does it start? We've got the website. How do they hear about you? Then how do they, how do they ask you to come in and help them engage? Yeah, great question. Look at our website, and then if it piques your interest, forward it to your pastor and give us a call. And let us just tell your pastor a little more about what we do. We're not terribly flashy, so a lot of parishes we work with, you would never really know we work with them because we work primarily with the pastor and the staff so so that the church itself becomes an apostolic center of formation. So in terms of examples, I know you've gave us some generics in terms of starting this group or, you know, do something at the barbecue at the workplace, but can you give us, let's say, a positive, I'm sure you have so many stories of people that have made such a difference. Can you share a few with those before we take a break? Yeah, so sometimes I talk about it in terms of being gas station ready. There's a guy the other day, he was um, at a gas station and approached by somebody, as we always are at gas stations, and just used the time very intentionally and some of the skills he learned to discern whether you should give the guy a ride. That ended up turning into a time of prayer and an invitation to um, seek after the Lord. So, like, that all happens. We all go to gas stations. A pretty standard example is guys or gals or couples 
that they just realize that the Lord has put some people in their life that are hungry for more, or maybe they trust them and they don't know the Lord, or they've been burned by the church, or whatever their misconception was of Jesus, and they recognize that they're now in a season of their life where they can intentionally invite a couple couples over to their house for a small group. Um, how do you get the word out? How do we get the word out about the EC? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's word of mouth right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A lot of times we'll, we'll run into pastors who want to partner with us, and that's because they were influenced by some sort of discipleship training group through our partnership with their campus ministry years ago. And so they've got a great experiential knowledge of the hard but very fruitful work of discipleship. And so they're eager now in their parish to help their laity become fully equipped for the good work the Lord is inviting them to. Do you have any idea, Josh, how many how many parishes or, or in terms of the numbers you've reached over the years or how many you're in right now or connecting with in the United States? Over the years, I'm not sure the number of ministries we've worked with, but I do know that last year we helped parishes train so about 3,000 men and women in a, in a pretty robust mission training. Our, and our mission training, it's got a couple of components. One is daily prayer. Two is a weekly mission group that's pretty robust. Three is a series of one-on-ones with the leader, especially to grow in intimacy with the Lord. So many people in the church have beautiful hearts, but they never really learned how to pray. And mm-hmm. so we, we never want to take that for granted. And it's one, that, it's one thing to talk about prayer and different types of prayer. It's another thing to pray with someone regularly. It's kind of like running when you're getting into sports, you know. It's one thing to buy shoes and learn how to run. It's another thing for a neighbor to come over and say, hey, let's run. Get on your mm-hmm. shoes. Let's go a mile. Day in, day out. That's the establishment that is needed in the church right now so much. And every layman and every laywoman can be equipped for that. Just takes Absolutely. the desire and the Lord doing it. More with Josh Dart from the Evangelical Catholic. The website is evangelicalcatholic.org. They're also featured this organization in a recent article on Faith in the College Campus that was published in the National Catholic Register. We'll put that link there for you on the archives at Catholic Connection. We'll be right back on a Tuesday. Stay tuned. Father Benedict Groeschel. I don't think people should have negative fears of God. I think you should get a lump in your throat. You should feel excited. Suppose I was going to take you and introduce you to the Pope or to the president of some country or something. You might get a little lump in your throat. Forget it. Every day, you, I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have, and we should have them to an intense degree if we really had the sight of Almighty God. These feelings are the feelings which we shall have if we realize His presence. And in proportion, as we believe that He is present, we shall have them. And not to have them is not to realize, not to believe that God is present to us. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. In 2005, my sister experienced a brain injury, leaving her unable to speak for herself and make her own decisions regarding medical care. Since she had not established a healthcare agent by creating a healthcare durable power of attorney, the courts decided to leave the medical decisions to Michael, Terry's husband. 
Because of this, Michael was able to remove Terry's food and water, dehydrating and starving her to death by court order. There are many reasons why someone may need a feeding tube, such as an illness or injury, that leaves a patient with difficulty swallowing. Usually, feeding tubes are short-term solutions until the patient can swallow on their own. St. Pope John Paul II clarified that food and water by tube is basic care owed to patients and not a medical act. We never know when you or a loved one may be faced with an injury. I urge you to have a conversation with your family and to identify a healthcare agent to make sure your life wishes are known and to take the step of finalizing a healthcare power of attorney. It could very well save your lives. This medical moment brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com. Welcome back, Catholic Connection on a Tuesday, having a great dynamic conversation regarding the Evangelical Catholic. And you can find more out for your parish or your own ministry, evangelicalcatholic.org. We wish Josh Dart, he's the lead consultant. So right out of the gate here in our second segment, I know we asked you how the ministry got started, and we know that you've been with them for a while now, but how did you come to get involved? What was your story, Josh, in coming to Evangelical Catholic? What attracted you? Great question, Teresa. So it all began back when I was doing campus ministry in Richmond, Virginia. And I was doing the stuff. I was doing more than the guy before me. And, you know, people were people at the parish were pretty happy. People at the diocese were pretty happy. But I had this engineering background from, from, my, grad, from my undergrad, and I just knew the numbers. I knew that every year we were getting about 10,000 freshmen at the school. About 30% of them should be Catholic, but only about 300 were showing up at Mass, and that would trickle down to about 100 that ever got involved in campus ministry from every freshman class. So I'm just knowing we're, we're bleeding, right? And I'm at, a, I'm at a conference one day, and I meet the president of the Evangelical Catholic, and we're sitting down, and he goes, how are you going to reach the dark places in your campus? And, and I said, I don't know. I said, I'm getting older. I look like a dad at this point. I can't go to parties anymore, you know? People hide their <laughs> cups from me. And he said, well, how would Jesus do it? And we started sketching out some really simple diagrams about Jesus' principles for evangelization. And it took me about a year to think through it before I committed to it. So I decided to spend 50% of my work week, so 20 hours a week, in one-on-one discipleship mentoring with students, in regular one-on-one discipleship mentoring. And it changed everything. I ended up mentoring about... 25 students personally. I was meeting other students, but I invested seriously in about 25 students over the next three years. Eight of them went on to full-time ministry, and the rest of them were hard charging for Jesus. It, it was a, it was it was completely different than what I'd been doing before. We still kept kind of the big stuff, the big events, the block parties, you know, mm-hmm. the weekday masses and all that stuff, right? But I taught the students how to invest personally in one another. And that, you know, Focus has been doing this for years. SPA has been doing this for years. I had just not been taught how to do it. And so that changed everything. That changed the way my my staff started working there. And it produced tremendous fruit, not only in the ministry, but also in my personal Mm -hmm. life. life. I was a newly married man. And so with my wife, we were deciding, like, how are we going to invest our time and what is the Lord calling us to do as a couple in our apostolate together. And so I just found the work and the, and the help of the evangelical Catholic so fruitful in my personal life as well as I was wading into my, uh, my primary vocation as a father and a husband. Hmm. So you mentioned early on that you sat down with the, with the head of evangelical Catholic and you kind of mapped out how Jesus evangelized. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because I have some ideas in terms of the way he evangelized. Yeah, real simple, I would say that Jesus did it in a three-tiered approach. We call it the 
the, the pyramid. Pyramids never fall over. they got a firm foundation, right? So the first level of the pyramid is we have to be connected to Jesus Christ. We have to have intimacy with him. We have to be sanctifying our ordinary life. We have to be in prayer and fasting. The second level is the reality of our relationships. We've got to know that we need to invest in the real people that are around us. We've got to love, you know, look for the stinky kid. Love the lost and the least, right? And meet people where mm-hmm. they are. We'll never meet them. And then with that tiny little tip of the pyramid, based on the first and second level, then we can get real intentional. Okay, so let's see, Lord, with my relationship with you and with the real people in my life and my sphere of influence, how do you want me to interact with them for your glory? How can I ask about their experiences of faith to see where they are so that I'll know what what the soil's like so I can share the gospel with them? How can I facilitate an, an environment in their life and in our relationship where the, the gospel can grow and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold? And then how can I establish them so that the Lord, the Good Shepherd, can invite them out into the field with him as well? Mm-hmm. And the process mm-hmm. can replicate. So it's, a little, it's kind of a simple thing. Like, you know, they say in the Catholic Church, if you're inventing something new, it's probably heresy at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a simple principle, but it made so much sense. Absolutely. Talking with Josh Dart, lead consultant for the Evangelical Catholic. I think that it was real, especially the relational aspect of Jesus's ministry. Uh, obviously, um, being, being that he's God, he was rooted in, in prayer. And, and, you know, they had that silent time and went off to pray. And, and so many times we see him in scripture going off to pray. But the whole thing with me that touches me so much when I read scripture, especially the Gospels, is the way he relates to people one-on-one understanding where they because he's god he knows everything but the way he treated them especially the woman at the well which is one of my favorite gospel oh, passages yes. because oh, he I just he it. met her literally right where she was at at the well in a point in her life where she was just selling herself so short and he discussed that with her but not in a condemning way in a way being all-knowing but then loving saying you know what you deserve so much better and i have so much better for you but it was that he built that friendship with her first yeah, he met her where he was at, and you know, you probably heard a homily on this, but she changes the way she addresses him. First, it's like that guy, and then it's sir, and then it's I see you're a prophet, and it's the Messiah, right? She's right. disposed, the Lord is, she's responding to the grace and becoming more and more disposed to the truth. You've got to meet people where they're at, or you'll never meet them there. But this is what we, we love at the Evangelical Catholic, because we, we all live in neighborhoods, right? We're all going mm-hmm. to the mailbox every day. We're all going to gas stations every day. We can stay surface at the mailbox every day. I live in the Midwest, Midwest nice, right? Hey, how are you? Great. How's the weather? Great, right? But we long to equip Evangelical Catholics who will go as deep in the conversation as it will go every time. So it's not just enough to ask about the weather with your neighbor for 40 years. Lord, give me an opportunity to go deeper. And we want to raise up an army of the laity that will go as deep in connection with the people in their life as possible for the glory of God every time. But it starts with that saying hello at the mailbox and then spending a little bit more time, maybe, you know, bringing over, you know, a plate of cookies or, you know, some pasta or something, as, as, which is what I would do with meatballs. Maybe not meatballs, maybe sausage, whatever. But <laughs> bringing over some sort of food with someone and say, let's break bread together, you know, or you guys want to come over for dinner. So you start there and then you start moving a little bit closer to that person, understanding that you're no threat to them. You just want to get to know them. And then you, you kind of, you know, are able to go a little bit deeper. Yep, that's exactly right. In our app, we've got this great little tool called the Define, Plan, Act. And I would encourage people to, to download that app, look for a, a little tab called Discern Your Apostolate, and then spend the next week or two in prayer with that, five minutes of your prayer time every day. And I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, who is it? Because the who drives the what. 
Mm-hmm. Who drives the what in our apostolate? And if we let the Lord put the who on our heart and let our heart start to be warmed with his love for particular people in our life, then we'll plan it. Lord, what do you want me to do for this season of my life for the next weeks or months? And then do it. And, and find people in your life. We call them mission community. But it comes from Hebrews 10 where it says, consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. We don't give enough consideration to how to stir one another up. Well, maybe you do, Teresa, because you're speaking about it every day. But most of us, lady, we don't give enough consideration to how to stir one another up. So find two or three guys, two or three gals, and say, will you stir me up? Let's meet every other week. Stir me up. Ask me about my relationship with the Lord. Ask me about my apostolate. Ask me about my intimacy with the Lord and my, and, you know, the, uh, the fasting or the little mortification that I'm doing for my neighbors. And do, oh, the Lord will do amazing things. The Lord's always yep. got more in store than we think. And we don't know what the Absolutely. next year is going to be like, but the Lord knows tomorrow right. like yesterday's yep. headlines. He just needs a willing heart, right? You need someone who's willing to do that and put yourself out there. Josh, I wish we had more time. I could talk to you forever. I have a lot more questions, but maybe we'll just have to have you back on. Josh Dart, the lead consultant for the Evangelical Catholic. Check out their beautiful website and more on their ministry, evangelicalcatholic.org, and share the information with your pastor and maybe start your own little group. Why not? We're called to evangelize each and every one of us by virtue of our baptism. Everybody in the pool. We'll be right back. Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I Can't Get No Satisfaction is a popular song, but it could be a summary of our life on earth. In the book of Genesis, we hear that we're made in the image and likeness of God. That means that we can know the truth and we can choose to do good to others. We can love. It comes to fulfillment in the Sermon on the Mount where we hear these Beatitudes. It's the standard of the Christian life. Jesus tells us that if we hear what he says and do what he tells us to do, we will be like wise people who build our house on solid rock. But we make progress towards happiness and blessedness by our actions, and it starts with our interior disposition, what we want to choose. Do you and I hunger and thirst for those things that will lead us to happiness and to God? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. Do you or your spouse snore but won't get help? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Many of us go to bed and can't get a good night's sleep because we have sleep apnea. Then we get excessive daytime sleepiness, fatigue, or concentration issues. Untreated, this can lead to heart failure, hypertension, and even diabetes. The first thing to do is go to a sleep doctor. The ultimate solution may be a CPAP machine. This machine provides positive pressure in our airways and alleviates the obstructive breathing issues associated with apnea. So many of us know this, but we still won't get the help we need. Here's one more reason to get your breathing fixed. A recent study indicates that the effects of sleep apnea may cause us to age the equivalent of 10 more years. Now make that appointment with a sleep doctor. For more, look for our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. We are pilgrims on a journey. This life is a pilgrimage. And you know what? We have so many opportunities stateside, abroad to do a pilgrimage, which, of course, you know, I love doing. Do several of them a year, lead them every year, as a matter of fact. 
El Camino de San Antonio Missions in the great state of Texas announcing official partnership with El Camino de Santiago in Spain. On the phone with us is the executive director of El Camino de San Antonio Missions, Rebecca Simmons. Well, this is exciting. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Tell us about this uh, collaboration. Yes, well, it's great to join you. Um, so our collaboration began in 2021. Basically, you know, San Antonio is home to four colonial mission churches, Spanish churches founded by Franciscan fathers. And the cathedral is also part of that 18th century construction of faith along uh, our San Antonio River. We approached um, El Camino de Santiago um, asking if they're interested in a partnership because we have a pilgrimage program connected to the Spanish colonial missions. And they found that very favorable, and we're excited about it. So we entered into a partnership, and we are just ready to welcome the world to our pilgrimage. So what does that uh, partnership look like, Rebecca, in terms of a practical sense? How's it being rolled out? So it's being rolled out. Basically, um, it mirrors the Santiago uh, uh, pilgrimage in that you have a pilgrimage passport, um, we distribute that to people who want to come to San Antonio and do the San Antonio El Camino. That El Camino is a walk uh, amongst the four Spanish colonial mission churches and the cathedral. Upon completion of that walk, the pilgrim will receive a San Antonio El Camino Compostela that they can take to Spain. They then use that to gain 30 kilometers towards their 100-kilometer El Camino de Santiago, Spain, Compostela. Um, they walk the Ring English route, or the Inglis route. That's part of one of the routes, the official routes, of the El Camino de Santiago. So how did you get involved with this? This is really, I think, a, a very helpful thing, because walking on a pilgrimage, doing any type of a pilgrimage route, it, it is so important because we're tracing our roots as Catholics. Absolutely, and our Spanish uh, mission churches here are actually the basis of our faith, not only in San Antonio, but really in Texas and, and ultimately across the, uh, across the Southwest. Um, I got involved because I found that uh, I, I am also a sixth-grade religious education teacher and have been for many years, and I took my sixth-graders to the missions to experience the culture and faith of these missions. They were very excited about it. Their parents then became excited about it, and I took them, and ultimately I took my parish, and I saw the remarkable journey that, uh, that the people made in pilgrimage, and it just seemed like something that we really ought to uh, take advantage of. Uh, unique thing, uh, Teresa, is that our mission churches are part of a UNESCO World Heritage Site, but ah. also, part, also part of a national park. It is a unique uh, thing in the United States uh, because the National Park manages the grounds and um, the Archdiocese manages the churches, which are active parishes. Wow. Talk about history and, and connections. We're talking with Rebecca Simmons, Executive Director of the El Camino de San Antonio Missions. Okay, so walk us through, pun intended, uh, in terms of the stops along the trail. What will we see in this walk in San Antonio? So 
we make this walk easy for all the pilgrims. They can either start at the south end of this El Camino Trail or the north end. If we start at the north end, we'll start at San Fernando Cathedral, which is the oldest continually functioning cathedral in Texas. Uh, it was built, and you can see the part of the cathedral that's still standing that was built in about 1750, 56. Um, you'll see it relic from Pope Francis. We have relics from San, uh, San Antonio, our namesake for San Antonio also. Uh, and it's just a beautiful church. From there, you'll walk along the San Antonio River south and encounter Mission Nuestro Señora de la Purisma, Concepcion de Acuña, better known as Mission Concepcion. And it was completed in 1755 and is actually the oldest unrestored tr stone church in America. So there is true history there. Uh, and you can see frescoes that were original to that 1755 construction. Uh, and it has been an active parish uh, since the 1700s. So wow. um, it is, um, yeah, it's amazing. From there, you walk further south and you encounter Mission San Jose. It was once known as Queen of the Missions because of its beauty. It's the largest of our missions and has really ornate, beautiful, symbolic sculptures. Um, it has, um, you can see the ground and see um, more uh, clearly what these mission churches look like uh, back in the day. Um, and so there's many historic features you can see there. And then finally, you end at Mission San Francisco de la Plata. It is the smallest and actually the oldest of the missions. It was begun in East Texas in 1691 and was moved to San Antonio in um, 1731. And so it is small, but it has a relic of uh, John Paul II there, and it has a very vibrant uh, community uh, there in the, the most southernmost of our missions. So how long does, does the entire trail take in San Antonio, Rebecca? Well, you know, uh, it uh, depends on how fast you walk. And, and I was going to say, it depends on how much time you want to spend in the churches because they're so beautiful. You don't want to leave, right? Absolutely. And we really, and that's the really most important thing. This is, we get a million tourists a year, Teresa, to our San Antonio Mission Churches because it's a national park and we get lots of visitors. But we're encouraging a faith journey. So we do encourage people to spend time inside in prayer and reflection as, as they walk along the path. Um, and so it can take you anywhere. It is approximately, in all, about 20 miles if you end up going into each church and spending time looking at the scenery around there, it'll t it's about 20 miles. So it can take, you know, all day. We also encourage groups, though, that I've led to come on a, on a Saturday, walk part of it, and then finish on Sunday with a mass at the cathedral. And mm. there you'll be recognized as a pilgrim, right, for your completion. Wow. So we encourage that. But we also encourage people, if you can't walk, that's okay. There's bicycles along the trail. If you can't bicycle, that's okay. Driving is fine. It's really a way to explore these mission churches and, um, and have your pilgrimage journey. We're talking with Rebecca Simmons, Executive Director of the El Camino de San Antonio Missions, about the collaboration with El Camino de Santiago in Spain. So give us an example. Obviously, it affected you greatly, which is why you're doing this. Uh, this is your, your mission, your vocation now. 
Can you give us some examples of what people have shared with you after doing uh, the mission or the walk in Texas, in your area specifically, um, before they even decided to go, or even if they did or did not go to Spain? What was it like for them to be on this journey in the state of Texas and San Antonio? You know, I have heard several people say it opened their eyes to the cultural history of our faith in Texas, our faith in San Antonio. It opened the the uh, door to the exploration of a deeper meaning of, of sacred space and of God in their lives. Um, you know, two sisters actually uh, went from San Antonio after they completed our Camino. Uh, and when they were on our pilgrimage trail, they said they felt so much peace walking along the river and visiting the missions. They were spiritually renewed by this pilgrimage journey. Uh, and then they were physically prepared when they traveled to Spain and completed their Santiago pilgrimage in Spain. Yeah. You know, what, what's so powerful to me is, is I really think tracing our roots, and we see how deep the faith is. And yes, obviously in Europe, and, and I, love, I love leading pilgrimages throughout Europe, especially Italy, but there's so much history of the church in the United States, and I don't think we give enough attention to that at times. I, I think you're exactly right. You know, um, it, it is such an interesting history here with the Franciscan fathers, you know, coming coming over from Spain to New Spain, which is Mexico and South America, and then traveling north. They uh, stayed in San Antonio at these mission churches for about 100 years, which is remarkable. It's far more than they're supposed to stay, right? But they mm -hmm. created a true community. Uh, and a unique one in San Antonio. And actually, when they had uh, finished their missions here, they went on to the missions in California and continued across uh, and on their uh, missionary journey. Um, and San Antonio continued to grow and prosper and, uh, and today has an incredibly vibrant um, uh, feel and culture here in San Antonio, attributable in part to these missions. Yeah, I love San Antonio. I've spoken there many times and spent a lot of time there. It's a great, great community, especially Catholic community. So how do we get information, and what if people want to organize a group or just go on a family mission, a family pilgrimage? How do they do that, Rebecca? So, so you can approach this pilgrimage many different ways. If you want to do a self-directed pilgrimage, that is great. I encourage everyone to go to our site, CaminoSanAntonio.org. We have a website. You can actually register for the pilgrimage online. Um, you can get a lot more information about it. We, um, we support those pilgrims through a pilgrimage center we have here that is right behind Mission Concepcion, and you can get you know, information, you can get pilgrimage guides, you can get maps, you can get your passports, you can go by yourself, you can go with friends. If you have a larger group, we will even guide you if you need a guide. Um, we have bilingual people that can assist you if you need that uh, uh, support. So we are, um, we are just here waiting for everyone to support you on your journey. Are you open year-round? We are open year-round. Now, it has been, you know, 105 degrees here in San Antonio. <laughs> that was my next question. Two. When would you recommend it? Maybe in the fall yes. or in the wintertime? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we were ready for our rollout in the spring, and as soon as that 105-degree weather hit, we thought we would not encourage people to walk then. Yeah. Um, 
uh, you can always, you know, uh, drive to these during that time period, but I wouldn't recommend walking. But the fall and the spring are gorgeous. The spring wildflowers along the river trail are fantastic. They were just beautiful in May, I can tell you. But the good thing is San Antonio is a um, year-round kind of city in this respect, certainly in you know, March and February, you can walk this trail quite comfortably. Um, December is a remarkable time because you have all kinds of of interesting things like the devotion to the Virgin of Guadalupe, which is mm-hmm. reflected in Matatina dancers, which are very colorful dancers that trace their roots back to colonial Spain. And they will they dance as a form of prayer. And wow. so um, you can see that. You can see the posadas that are taking place at each of our mission churches. So it's a really vibrant time in our city as well. So, so it's great to walk it any time except probably July and August. Yeah. Those are really yeah. hot months. Well, Rebecca, this has been very eye-opening and encouraging and a a wonderful glimpse into the history of our faith, especially in the Catholic Church in Texas. We've been chatting with Rebecca Simmons, Executive Director of El Camino de San Antonio Missions. For information, again, the website is CaminoSanAntonio.org. Very simple, CaminoSanAntonio.org. Thanks, Rebecca. Appreciate it. Thank you, and have a great day. You too. God bless. And we will be right back to wrap up a Tuesday, let you know what's coming up on a Wednesday. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to go to San Antonio. It is a beautiful city with such, as Rebecca said, a Catholic influence in so many ways, and it really is quite the opportunity. And the cathedral, I have been there uh, before. It's really just so beautiful and very cool, and the connections now to the Camino in Spain. So... Pilgrimages are a great thing to do. And if you can't get overseas, my goodness, there's so many ways to do pilgrimage. And we even talk about this a lot here at EW10. You can do a pilgrimage to the shrine in Alabama, in Hansville, which is off the charts gorgeous, right? You can go and say a prayer and, and, and just be there and walk on the grounds and feel like you're in Assisi, Italy. Or you can go to Texas or you can go to California. So much history of our faith in this country. And of course, the roots are incredible, but we all are on pilgrimage in one way or another because this life is a pilgrimage. But do an extra pilgrimage, one on your own or with your family. You won't regret it. We'll be right back. It's a Tuesday again. More on what's coming up on a Wednesday right after these messages, as we say in broadcasting. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. 
Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Appreciate your listenership here at the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Teresa Tomio, Tuesday, the 26th of September, coming up tomorrow on the 27th. Joan back with us. Yay! And she has a lot to discuss, being that we'll have the general audience message from the Holy Father and also looking at the upcoming synod, the preparations, and that big prayer event coming up in Rome this weekend that we mentioned. There's a story on that on Catholic News Agency. So looking forward to catching up with Joan Lewis and our friend Dan Burke. From the Avila Institute, he has a brand new book out, so Dan will join us tomorrow. So it should be a great show. I do hope you can tune in to the entire hour of Catholic Connection, which again is co-produced by EWTN and Ave Maria Radio. Have a great Tuesday, and good Lord willing, we'll see you at Omani tomorrow on a Wednesday. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.